The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Oh, yeah. Wednesday morning. That means it's time for a little pew, 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 pew. Brady Quinn Football Show. I'm Will Brinson. I'm the host of CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. This is our, we have 10 shows this week. 10 shows, Brady Quinn. 10 shows. I'm impressed with you by 10 shows. Who's listening to all these shows? Who is listening? 10 shows? That's like too many shows to even consume. How's that possible? You think it's too many? Yes, it's way too many. I feel like we're going for the quality, not quality. What's going on here? What do you, what, I mean, what do you do with your free time? Like philanthropy and take care of your family and all kinds of stuff? Why don't you listen to more podcasts? By the way, Ryan Wilson here as well. Ryan, do you even want to listen to 10 podcasts? Do you want to listen to that many during a week? Brady, I spend more, I'm not even joking. I spend more time with Brenton than I do with my kids. I don't want to hear any more Brenton than I have to that I'm getting paid for. I don't go away from Brinson and listen to more Brinson. You're living my nightmare. It, those words are literally the nightmare. It's, it, I wake up in cold sweats at night thinking about the fact that I'd have to do a podcast with Brinson more than actually seeing my, my wife and my kids. How would you like that, to do it from midnight to 2 a.m. twice a week? I hope it's uh, it, it's with a bottle of, uh, I don't know, uh, some sort Cy- of cyanide? Jack Jim Beam or something. I don't know, some sort of alcohol yeah, with a high proof. What um? What do you do when you're uh, you know when you? I watch film, Brinson. That's my hobby. I like to watch film. I like to look at things uh, uh, different teams are doing scheme wise and all that. That's about all I get to do in any of the free time that I do get these days outside of my family, philanthropic work, and everything else. Uh, I watch film. I watch film. I mean, I don't have access to like. I don't have like coaches just be like, oh Brady, you so like loved you Notre Dame. Here's a bunch of free film. I mean, like I I watch as much film as I can during the week. Sure. Brady, let me, let me tell you this. Brinson missed the podcast with which he's the co-host, by the way, a few Thursdays ago to go to the NC State football game. That's how serious he is about this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now he gets to, uh, not to foreshadow any, you know, his topics we'll be discussing, but now he gets an NC State quarterback getting his uh, first start this upcoming week in the league. So I'm sure he's really excited about that. Oh yeah. As, hashtag QBU. Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, by the way, this is on YouTube. We're looking at each other talking. You can watch the show on YouTube as well as listen on the podcast app. Go to youtube.com slash CBS sports. Hit the little video button up there when you get there and you'll see a bunch of green background things indicating it's a pick six podcast, uh, episode. Would also recommend you download, subscribe, rate, review. Um, really we appreciate everybody who left reviews and ratings. Um, a lot of questions asked about of Brady. Actually, I was surprised. Uh, people want to hear your, your thoughts on things. And so, uh, if you would like to ask Brady more questions, we will a- a- get him to answer some of these at the end of the show, but feel free to, uh, to ask more questions. Um, Brady actually is probably the most interesting person on the podcast in terms of, I, I mean this seriously. Like, I think that people would be surprised that if they asked you, like, if somebody was like, Brady, is it okay to, um, walk your dog on trash day and throw the dog throw the bag of poop into the neighbor's trash can. You actually have like impassioned views about these sort of society, uh, mores and things like that. So I think, I think people would be surprised by it. A good take. Do we talk about that on the show or did you guys talk about that separately? No, you and I talked about that at one point in time. Okay. I didn't know if it was on a podcast or if we did that separately. So I think it was on a podcast. I mean, we talked about bildos on a podcast. I'm assuming we talked about the dog poop. It's a valid point, which I'm still yeah. shocked that we have not seen any bildos so far show up uh, in <laughs> Buffalo this season. I thought maybe they'd make their way to like follow Gardner Minshew. I just, it seems like the type of crowd that follows Minshew with the mustaches and all that, there'd also be some sort of form of, uh, I don't know, a, a cucumber thrown on the field, if you know what I'm going. <laughs> I, I do I do know where you're going. Um, <clears throat> I would also recommend checking out the uh, Trade Deadline Recap podcast that we did myself. Uh, Ryan Wilson, Sean Wagner-McGough, and a very, very disappointed and very sad John Breach. 
who was mocked basically for 40 minutes about Andy Dalton being benched for Ryan Finley. Uh, again, we'll get to that in a minute, but make sure and check that out. It should be in your feed. So hit that up. We're going to do some mid-season awards right now. Um, this, the goal here, Brady and Ryan is to not only, um, list who we think is the, we would give the award to right now, but then also to sort of look at who we think might win in the future. Um, so I would ask you, Brady, right now, who is your offensive rookie of the year? Uh, Kyler Murray. I don't think you put any other quarterback on that team and you get them with the same result. You get them three wins. Um, he's been everything that I think they had hoped for. Uh, obviously the system they're running helps, but, um, the way he distributes the football, the number of completions you see per game each, each and every week, I believe it's been a record, um, at, at this point in time in the season for a rookie quarterback, the amount of completions, the amount of attempts and, and just watching him. I mean, he's so much fun to watch. They don't necessarily have a great offensive line, but man, when things break down, he becomes really special. He's hard to bring down. He's continually getting better and better. Um, and, and I just, I, I think it, it would be hard to surpass him. I think there's some, he's got some competition. There's a couple guys you could throw into the conversation. And I think, uh, Ryan's going to talk about one, but to me, he's been the most fun to watch. He's providing hope in Arizona, especially after a dismal season last year. So to me, it's Kyler Murray. Yeah. In the preseason, I actually had, I picked Kyler Murray to, to win it, but I'm going to go with Gardner Minshew. We mentioned the mustache a few minutes ago. It just, look, from where he came from, Kyler Murray was the first overall pick. Gardner Minshew had a terrible senior bowl, was sort of off the radar. The Jaguars took him late in day three. And then he came out of nowhere when Nick Foles got hurt early in the season and just started lighting people up. Um, you look at the stat right here. He's got 13 touchdowns to, to Kyler's seven, only two interceptions. He's run for 200 yards. Kyler's run for 279. So there are a lot of things that he's done that absolutely no one expected except for maybe his cock diesel dad who comes every game, probably beats up a couple people. Um, the only issue is this. So if Nick Foles gets healthy, what happens to Gardner Minshew? I would stick with Minshew. Nick Foles doesn't really do it for me. He never did. But again, that's not my call. We'll see what Doug Marone does. But, uh, halfway point, I like Gardner. Did um, <clears throat> did you just what did you refer to his dad as or that uh, uh cock, cock diesel. diesel like Shaq like Shaq Diesel you never heard that he's cock diesel what else are you gonna call him he's yoked up he is yoked up I'll give it to you look Ryan has a history on this podcast of saying uh, phrases that may not uh, oh he's the only one hey what's that hat you you said you got for your wife to wear around what was that hat you said by the way <laughs> Princeton sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> By it's the way, awful. Uh, what is wrong with you? How did that uh, not immediately register as something that A, no one wants to hear, and B, probably not a good visual for your wife to be wearing around a hat that says that? Yeah, in hindsight, fairly obvious, Brady. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I would also have Kyler Murray at this uh, stage of the game, and I would, I would guess that he ends up winning it as well. Um, I think you can make a case for a couple other rookies that have been really good. Minshew, of course. Has been fantastic. Wasn't even on the board when you wanted to bet on it before. Uh, now at FanDuel, Kyler Murray plus 150. So short odds there. Josh Jacobs, two to one. If the Raiders made a playoff run and Jacobs had a really nice season and Murray sort of fell off the rails here the next two or three weeks, they've got, they got the 49ers coming to town. Um, and then they play the 49ers, um, you know, within twice within what a span of 17 days or something like that. So you could maybe see Kyler Murray struggle a little bit. Uh, Daniel Jones. Yeah, Terry McLaurin's had a really nice season. Twenty to one's not a bad price for him, but the Redskins are too terrible. David Montgomery, long shot, twenty-two to one. I don't know if are I'd like to hand off the football to him. I mean, if they, maybe they do what they did last week, hand him the football more, he could win it. Yeah, he looks he looked awesome last week. So I mean, if the Bears were to somehow make a run and he and he got the ball a lot, uh, but probably uh, not a whole lot going on there. Ryan, what about defensive or defensive rookie of the year? Uh, fairly Jeez. safe to say this is obvious. Yeah, before last week, I would have gone with my guy Devin Bush, who's had a, a really good start to the season. Important part of the middle of that off, uh, defense, excuse me, in Pittsburgh. But, I mean, it doesn't make any sense to go with anyone other than Nick Bosa. Absolutely went off last week. Three sacks and, a, and an interception against your Carolina Panthers as they dropped a 50-burger on him, and it wasn't even close. He's been like that the entire season. Uh, he's been slightly healthier than his brother um, so far. We'll see if that stands. It's been sort of a thing with the Bosa's. But it's hard to argue with what he's done on a defense that's been lights out anyway. So if he were on a terrible defense, uh, say the Giants, would he have these same numbers? Who knows? But it doesn't matter. He's in San Francisco. He's lighting it up. And I don't even know who's a close second if you're making that case. 
I think you made a decent case, though, for one player in Devin Bush. You could definitely put him up there. Um, that defense has been improved this season. He's kind of solidified the middle of the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Although, once they got Mika Fitzpatrick, that's when you really saw the jump and the change in the, the dynamics of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So um, I think you could have made a case, but this is a runaway. Because for that exact same argument, Nick Bosa has meant everything to that defensive front. I mean, he's elevated the level of play of everyone across that line. I know they got the addition of D4-2 this year, but still, I mean, even Solomon Thomas looks better. So um, for that reason, I think this is this could really be a runaway. I mean, aside from just box store and looking at stats, he's around the quarterback often. He's good against the run. I think he's been everything that John Lynch was hoping he would be. And this front's been so dominant now, I think it's made things easier on the secondary, uh, even though collectively they're all really good defense. But that front may be the best in football this year. So to me, it's a runaway. It's, it's Nick Bosa. Yeah, I would say two things to add on to that. And I've got Nick Bosa, too, and I think Nick Bosa will be the winner. One, uh, Nick Bosa could be involved in the defensive player of the year discussion. He's having that good of a season. And uh, two, it is really, it is really, really fortunate for Steve Kime and the Arizona Cardinals front office and Cliff Kingsbury that Kyler Murray has looked good because if he hadn't looked good and he looked like a flop number one overall passing on Nick Bosa who looks like an absolute stud and a slam dunk um and you know it's not like it was hard to figure out Joey Bosa is his brother and his a you know, very good player too and so I, I think that is uh, very beneficial for the Cardinals that Kyler Murray uh, they would like Kyler Murray to win offensive rookie of the year because then it will distract from the fact that they passed on Nick Bosa who will be chasing down Kyler Murray again twice in the next three weeks and probably for the next 10 years so you got that going for you um coach of the year Brady I like and I'm I don't I'm not being sarcastic when I say this you're gonna think I am I'm not you're thinking outside the box here you're going with a guy who never gets any love for Coach of the Year, who only has, I think, three Coach of the Year awards, despite winning six Super Bowls in the last 20 years. Yeah, Bill Belichick. Um, you know, I had Frank Reich, but, you know, again, someone else in this crew had Frank Reich as well. So I said, all right, let's change it up, because I think you can make an argument for Bill Belichick, okay? For one, you just pointed out, he never wins it. They're so good, and he never wins it. Every other year they're playing in a Super Bowl. So, um for that, I think he should get more credit for what he does every single year when you've got Gronk, who's obviously retired. You're missing that piece. You know, you bring in and kick the tires on a guy like Antonio Brown. He doesn't really help that much. And, and all of a sudden you get rid of him and it really seems like you, you didn't skip a beat. Um, you look at some of the other players they lost. Trent Brown, for example, who goes to the Oakland Raiders. Um, they, they move on from Michael Bennett this year and their defense still is going to operate the exact same. It's just, it seems like every single year, they have changes, they deal with adversity, yet they're still the New England Patriots and they still win football games uh, and then still win Super Bowls. So he doesn't get enough credit. And I think this year, more so than ever, statistically, historically, they're one of the best defenses we've seen up to this point in the season. He's calling the defense. He's taking a much more active role and approach into it because Brian Flores left to go to the Miami Dolphins. So I think you can make a great case for Bill Belichick this year, and he'll be very, very much deserving of it because of how well that defense is playing and because of everything that they've dealt with as far as the change uh, on that roster and with that team. So for that reason, I think you can make a case for Bill Belichick, although he'll probably get overlooked like every year. Yeah, sad day for Bill Belichick. Uh, he's, he's had quite the, quite the run of futility. I'm going with Sean Payton. Uh, Drew Brees gets hurt. Early on in the season, they have to roll with Teddy Bridgewater. No one knows what to expect. Some conversation, they may even turn to Taysom Hill. All Teddy B does is becomes the ultimate game manager. They reel off five straight wins. In that span, they beat the Seahawks in Seattle. They beat the Cowboys. They win in Jacksonville. And let's see, two weeks ago, they won in Chicago against a team that used to be good in the Chicago Bears. Drew Brees comes back. Everything's back to normal. And they start hanging 40 points on teams. Uh I think it's a testament to how good of a play caller Sean Payton is. And we shouldn't also forget how well that defense has played this year, much better than they did a year ago. And that's a big part of their success. And uh, an argument for why they might be the best team in the NFC. But right now, midway point, Sean Payton for me. Yeah, look, you know, the I think what's interesting about this award is that it doesn't necessarily go to the person who coaches the best all the time. Like Bill Belichick co putting together this defense and coaching up this defense, I think is the best coaching job. Um, a lot of times it just goes to whoever's team improved the most. But I think this is a tough year for Belichick, particularly because you have Sean Payton and, as Brady mentioned, Frank Wright, who I've got in there as well. Look, Andrew Luck was on a Hall of Fame track at one point in time. 
Um, he was an elite quarterback, one of the top 10 quarterbacks in football, and he retired before the season, like a couple of weeks before the season. And all Frank Wright has done is gone five and two, leading the division. He's a tremendous in-game coach. He's a tremendous game planner. He's a tremendous red zone coach. And I think he's a legitimate, like, leader of men. Like, these guys really rally around him in that locker room. He's got the most out of Jacoby Brissett. Um, doing a great job. Matt Eberfluss is, Killing it as the defensive coordinator, despite really a lack of personnel there. Um, you know, adjusting week to week, depending on what they need to do. And so I think Frank Wright, for me right now, would be the guy. Sean Payton's right there as well. And I would have uh, no qualms whatsoever. If somebody wanted to give it to Bill Belichick. I think they're, um, Ryan, I know you had mentioned John Harbaugh could win at the end of the year. Fine with that too. I mean, hell, like Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's undefeated in the NFC West and we're not even discussing him. That's, that's a pretty impressive feat as well. Um, what about defensive player of the year for you right now, Brady? Would you, uh, would you go with, uh, it'd be Miles Garrett. Uh, okay. yeah, I'm a homer. I like the Browns. Uh, Miles Garrett's been a freak this year and I think their defense has been improved now. Has that, uh, are they improved enough obviously to help with the wins, losses? No. Okay. We can make fun of them. Okay. They were better at this point last year with Hugh Jackson as their head coach. Ha ha ha. Real funny, but. Miles Garrett is a legitimate dominant force. Uh, I think at this rate, he probably will win defensive player of the year. Obviously, there's a number of guys you can take into consideration, but uh, a guy who was having a good season and recently just tore his peck is out for the year, J.J. Watt. He, uh, unfortunately, won't be able to be a part of that discussion. So uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if Miles Garrett and the Browns can get back into this thing. And I think if they are, start having more success uh, and he continues to keep putting up the numbers that he is right now, I think there's a good chance Miles Garrett could win it. Yeah, I'm with Brady, Miles Garrett. Ten sacks so far this season. You know, last week we talked about Joey Bosa, excuse me, Nick Bosa. If he had gone first overall, that's something you could live with. Sleep, uh, put your head on your pillow and sleep well at night as a GM. He ended up going number two, but Miles Garrett went first overall. Put your head on your pillow as a GM, sleep well at night. He just dominates. There's nothing to worry about with him off the field except for the random fan punching him in the face. Brady, was that you by any chance? But, uh, yeah, Miles Garrett's definitely it. He's a big part of that success on defense. Now they just got to figure out things on offense. And with, uh, Frederick Kitchens there calling the plays. You know who I imagine pl- punched him in the face was someone who looked just like Will Brinson. Kind of fratty, kind of fratty, thought he'd, uh, thought it'd be cool to tell his friends he tried to punch Miles Garrett. I just wish, my only wish would have been that Miles Garrett wouldn't have thought and been the gentleman that he is. And he would have got out of the car and beat the living life out of that person. Like that just, I wish that would have happened because those type of people deserve those sorts of life lessons. And that's what I'm going to call it because when you try to punch a guy who looks like that, a professional football player who probably could snap your neck like a toothpick, you deserve to receive whatever you comes along with that. Okay. So, uh, unfortunately, I do think the guy's face looked very similar to Will Brinson's. Well, hey, can I, I, I can ready? Yeah, sure. What's that? I want to ask Brady this. So either at Notre Dame or once you were in the NFL, did you get a talk, did the whole team get a talk about how to deal with a-holes or is that something you just, you were taught as a kid growing up and your parents and all that? Or were there conversations about, hey, listen, man, you can't let the fans, whatever, get under your skin because it'll reflect badly on you and you may end up in jail. You know, it's funny, like, you know, people, fans usually get on you when things don't go well, you play bad. Obviously that happened often in my NFL career. So, you know, you hear a lot of that noise and those sorts of things, but to me, I always feel like I'm in, I was in such a much more fortunate place than they were. Like, I get it. I get why they're frustrated. Trust me, they weren't more frustrated with me than I was with myself. Um, and so I always kind of try to take that approach, be more sympathetic. There were times though where you got guys who, again, like we talked about this before, they try to be tough guys. And, and look, everyone when they're behind a fence or up in the stadium and all that, and, and they think they're tough and they think they could take someone. And then all of a sudden they get down after the game and the same guy who's dog cussing you out is asking for your autograph or asking to say, shake your hand. And you're like, I don't know. You look familiar. I think I remember you. Um, and so that's always the toughest part is, is guys who are trying to start something for whatever reason, um, because they think they're tough or they want to try to prove something to their girl. Cause you know, she's most likely to leave them to go be with one of those players. Um, it's, it's usually, it's, it's usually just better off not to do anything right. There's really no reward for you proving how tough you are that you could beat them up. So you just try to stay away from it the best you can and realize like you're in a fortunate position. And, and with that fortunate position, a lot of times comes the opportunity to make some mistakes. And there's a lot of people who want to knock you down, uh, when you've made it to that point. So, um, that, that's more of the approach you try to take. No one really talked to you about it. I think everyone kind of took their own approach to it and you're human like anyone else. So when you, you know, come off a bad performance, your emotions get involved. 
sometimes you know tensions escalate and you might act out the way you shouldn't or if you're out in public and you've had a few drinks or something like that you're probably more apt to say something or do something that you shouldn't and I think there's there's a lot of players who've probably fallen victim to that unfortunately uh, because they are human and because it happens you know um, but yeah it, it, it's funny though um, you you tend to you know, for for the most part, most fans are pretty cool about it again when they see you face to face. It's more once you get into a stadium and into the arena or when they have some barrier between you and them where they really want to try to be tough guys about it. By the way, I, excuse me, I would also point out too that um you know, when you start to write about like football you know, like when you've been doing this long enough, you 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 know, you interact with more football players. Like like it 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 is so easy to be a keyboard warrior. And when you actually have to face the music and like talk to somebody about it, it is, it is, it is amazing how quickly your, your stance will turn. Like you don't realize that you, you might not realize that the person you're talking to either A could like be like a little more offended, you know, might, might be le- more or less callous to it or B like might be a nicer person than you expect. Like, you know, I wouldn't have thought that Brady Quinn and I would be, you know, friends, colleagues, whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, to your point, I, I, I do think like in this world we live in now with Twitter, you know, everyone is going to say things that, you know, they don't really realize how it impacts someone else because they yep. don't see them on the receiving end, right? All of a sudden you get on the phone, you hear the tone in their voice, you hear how they're handling it, or even when you get in person, right, face-to-face, you handle that interaction entirely different. So um, that's unfortunately the day and age which we live in, though, and I think that's a lot, of, a lot of times things escalate on social media when if you just remove that altogether, you wouldn't really see that. By the way, uh, apropos of the previous conversation, just to keep moving along, I would actually have Cameron Jordan. I would be perfectly fine with Miles Garrett as defensive player of the year. Um, Cameron Jordan is who I'm sort of targeting. Yeah. I mean, like, is he secretly kind of, is he going to be a Hall of Fame player? I mean, he's, I mean, that 2011 draft class is incredible, right? I mean, you have uh, JJ Watt, Julio Jones, Cam Newton, AJ Green. I mean, a lot of guys are in the news. Cameron Jordan flies under the radar from that draft class and has been so good for the Saints. Um, and he, it's weird cause he's like very flashy, but doesn't get the attention that you think he would based on, on how he plays. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he won the award, uh, this year, if the Browns do not turn things around. Like I could see people looking at Miles Garrett's numbers and saying that if they're empty, I picked Miles Garrett before the season. Um, just a thought there on Cam Jordan. Can I ask this uh, question? Cause I don't, I don't know the answer to it, but I would assume sure. much like the MVP. I mean, the MVP usually goes to, uh, the best player, but a lot of times that has to coincide with the, you know, them being on a winning team. I think you could have made the case, uh, was it a few years ago when David Johnson almost won a thousand rushing, a thousand receiving, but he was on a bad football team. Uh, is that how it factors into for the defensive player? Because when I look, when I think about the years of the defensive player guys who've won the award, I feel like the majority of time of all these awards, there are guys who are playing on good football teams. I mean, typically somehow that factors into it, right? Yeah, I think it does. So like, uh, Aaron Donald won the last two years. Khalil Mack, well, Khalil Mack won with Oakland in 2000. Well, no, 2016, they were good, right? 11, what were they? 12 and four that year? 12 and four. Yeah. They were tw- exactly 12 and four, weren't they, Ryan? Exactly 12 and four. Um, did long Ryan story predict there. this? No, uh, one of our old editors did at a, at a dinner down in, uh, down in your neck of the woods on Las Olas. He said, I'll bet you anything they go 12 and four. We're like, okay, do you want 12? What was the bet? But uh, we'll, I we'll have to tell you that later. Tell you, I have to tell you off air. Oh, um, Come on, it's a podcast. No one's watching right now. Oh, there's no, YouTube. Ooh. No, well, even even if no one's watching or listening, I still can't tell you until off air. It's just oh, okay. uh, I will tell you as soon as we get done. There, I don't think but, I want to know anymore. No, you do. It's funny. The story's funny. But the the bet we were like, okay, do you want twelve plus wins for the bet? He's like, no, exactly twelve eggs, and we're like, okay. Nailed it. Uh, Calling a shot. He ended up. He ended up winning a lunch, uh, courtesy of uh, EK, who our podcasts are around these parts. Editorial director. Um, the downside would have Big been Nationals fans, by the way. EK. Big Nationals fans. Yeah. Uh, I hope this podcast will air on Wednesday morning. I hope the Nationals are still alive. That'd be great. Um, the downside for the editor in question uh, would have been. You know what? You're right. I can't, I'll, I'll tell you that. I'll text you later. Um, I might text you now and just see your reaction live on video. Um, but yeah, like you look at it, like 2013, Luke Keekley wins it. Uh, JJ Watt has it three times. The Texans were good in most of those years. Um, uh, Debo looked it up very quickly because he's the best producer in the business and all the recent players who won were on good teams. So if, you're right. It would be, I think if the, the Browns go like five and 11 or six and 10, it would be tough for Miles Garrett to, uh, to win it. So moving along. Brady, while I text you what this loss is going to be, 
what would you say who who do you have right now for your offensive player of the year well, my offensive player of the year, right? Cause typically this goes to an offensive, uh, you know, a guy not gonna win the MVP. Okay. MVP usually goes to the offensive guy. And so the offensive player of the year, in my opinion, is, is a close guy. It may be in the MVP consideration. Uh, but I felt like, like it can't be like two quarterbacks, right? So, uh, to me, it's Dalvin Cook. Uh, Dalvin Cook has been phenomenal this year. I know, you know, there's another running back you could throw into the conversation. But I feel like when you look at the Vikings, when they have success, a lot of times it comes via Dalvin Cook. He's the fire starter to that offense, running the football. He leads the league in rushing, catching the football. Um, so for me, it's it's Dalvin Cook. And I also think there's a good chance he ends up winning it because I think the Vikings are going to continue to keep winning football games. I'm not so sure about the Carolina Panthers. Mm. Yep. Not Brady's right about the Panthers and uh, how well they're going to do. We now Kyle Allen. Has thrown his first interceptions, did it three times. We don't know when Cam Newton's coming back. That all said, run CMC, who I like to call C-Mac and get yelled at by Will Brinson, is my uh, my guy for offensive, uh, offensive player of the year, the midway point. Uh, he leads the team in receptions. That's one thing. He obviously leads the team in rushing yards. He's top three in advanced metrics as a runner and a, and a receiver coming out of the backfield. He is that Panthers offense. Without him there, this team is in much worse shape. So obviously he has to stay healthy. Once Cam gets healthy, you, you uh, sort of hope they can put things together. But this team would be a terrible football team, I feel like, at least offensively, without uh, Christian McCaffrey there. So he is my guy right now. I like Dalvin Cook a lot, but CMC just barely edges him out, Will. I think both are, did you check? I texted you if you want to check your phone, by the way. Um, the, uh, I think, I always want to see his reaction live on video. Uh, I think that both guys are, uh, excellent options to potentially be, uh, offensive player of the year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't tell you that on air, can I? You can find a more, uh, creative way of saying it. You could have. <laughs> yeah. Let's but, just say that. Well, here's the here's the question. I got I got I got. He, he would so he'd deliver on that bet. Because uh, I mean, I, mean I just want to know if anyone received the uh, award. No, no, because they won exactly twelve games. He got the lunch. He was he was either gonna lunch, or there was gonna be a toss salad buffet. Like I don't know that... who's more relieved that Derek Carr broke his leg. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's right. No, that was the crazy thing, Brady, is that the Raiders were going to win like 14 games and then Derek Carr broke his leg. <laughs> you mean, what do you mean? They, they didn't have faith in Connor Cook? What are you talking about? But exactly 12 games is the craziest uh. thing on the planet. Okay, so, but yeah, look, Dalvin Cook, I picked him to lead the league in rushing before the season. Oh, He's having pat a- yourself on the back. Pat yourself on the back. Don't dislocate your but shoulder, buddy. It still has to happen. Yeah, he will. Um, I think McCaffrey's probably been more valuable, and I think that, um, but, that's partially because Dalvin Cook's had Kirk Cousins there. And I think that's an interesting little dichotomy how that's working with, you know, putting the emphasis on Dalvin Cook versus putting on Kirk Cousins. They're working together well now and that, that offense is starting to get going. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think with, uh, you know, when you talk about offensive player of the year, either one would be fine with me. I would probably pick CMC and predict him to win it if he stays healthy for 16 games. But if Dalvin Cook leads the league in rushing, wouldn't surprise me if he won it. Okay. Let's look at MVP odds. It is stunning to see Patrick Mahomes at 10, almost 10 to 1, 9.5 to 1 at FanDuel as of the uh, Tuesday morning. Right now, Brady, if you had to give the MVP out, who would you give it to? Right now, I'd give it to Russell Wilson. Okay. I think. But do you think you Russell at, will win it? I don't. I think Aaron Rodgers will end up winning it. Um, and that's in part because I think he's on a better team. I think they're, they're going to continue to have success moving forward. I'm not so sure about the Seahawks. I'm not necessarily sold, but, um, Russell Wilson, look, statistically, you could make the case he's had a better season. Uh, and I think he means more to that team. Like I, I, I think, um, or I should say they're equal, but at this point, I would say Rodgers in some of the early games they played where they were really defensively dominant. The offense wasn't quite quickly, but it, but it was working. And then even at, at certain points in time too, you've seen the running game kind of take over and take part of it. So uh, even though you can make that case with Seattle, I just think of the fact that Doug Baldwin moved on. He's dealing without him. Will Disley is tight end. He's dealing without him. Granted, Rodgers has been without Devontae Adams now. Um, you know, so it, it's pretty even. But I think eventually Rodgers will surpass him, probably even statistically, especially when they get Adams back. Um, and be just because they like to throw the football more. And as this offense gets more into a rhythm. So, uh, for that reason, Russell Wilson now, Aaron Rodgers later on. Uh, when the season started preseason pick, I actually had Zeke Elliott trying to go outside the box. That clearly is not going to happen. 
But uh, I am on the Aaron Rodgers bandwagon, and you can blame it on recency bias if you want. He absolutely blew up the Oakland Raiders with arguably his best performance as an NFL player. He had six touchdowns in that game, perfect passer rating, threw for over 400 yards. Then last week he had those two incredible throws against the Chiefs with the latest versions of incredible throws by Aaron Rodgers that no one saw saw coming, even though he seems to do it two or three times a year. But I am with Brady. Like I had been on the Russell Wilson bandwagon the last month or so until the last few weeks with Aaron Rodgers. I feel like Aaron Rodgers is clearly in the driver's seat right now. There are a lot more questions in Seattle. Uh, he is the only player on that offense. The defense isn't very good, even though they just traded for Quandre Diggs. But I will say this. My end-of-the-year guy that I have winning, and it all comes down to what happens next week, Lamar Jackson. I love, love, love Lamar Jackson. I say it all the time. I think in two or three years he could be the best player in the NFL. He has to be the Patriots next week. But if that happens and they get get rolling, Lamar Jackson, I can see him winning it. Hmm. Interesting. Look, I don't think Lamar Jackson should be ruled out at all. His odds, uh, five to one. He's still very much in the mix. Um, Tom Brady's at fifteen to one. I think he would be a surprise at this point, considering the offense hasn't been there. Like, here's the thing with the with the MVP. You have to factor in when you look at if we're predicting not if we're if we're doing a discussion of who we think should win. That's very different than who we think will win. Because will win is is a whole different discussion based on how certain voters and Pete Prisco is one of them, and I, I'm not I'm meaning disparagingly, but you gotta you gotta take yourself and put yourself inside that sick, twisted, tiny little pea brain of Pete Prisco that's been zapped to death by tanning beds and Red Bull and whatever else he did in the 70s. Okay, and so you gotta try and get drugs. in there. A lot of drugs. He also had mono, so still has mono to this day. <laughs> Perpetual mono. Really got it at Arizona State, I'm hearing. I don't, I don't know. Not, not a whole lot goes on out there, huh? That's right. It's a surprise that they're not, instead of the sun devils, they could be like the sun crabs. That could be like their <laughs> <laughs> Why would they be the sun crabs? The crabs are obviously, are they indigenous to that population? Is that, is that, is that the kind of crabs you're referring to, or are you referring to a different types of crabs? So anyway, when you look at the odds, <laughs> this this podcast, I like that we've thrown off the shackles of the of the video YouTube uh, regards. This podcast is getting loose. Um, I, I do think there's a couple guys that could present value if you start looking at the odds. Jimmy Garoppolo is thirty to one, according to FanDuel as of Tuesday morning. That's pretty good value for an undefeated quarterback. Um, Kirk Cousins is thirty nine was thirty nine to one. I don't think that's terrible value. If the, if they if he wins if he plays well in those primetime uh, games against Dallas and Seattle and they win that division, like to me, th- I would rather take Cousins at thirty nine to one than Rodgers at three to one. If because it's going to come down to who wins the division. Like I, I don't know if Rodgers is going to get the MVP if he doesn't win the division. That's just part of the narrative. Um, but even if Rodgers doesn't play as well as Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, the idea that he could suddenly take off and put up great stats in this Matt LaFleur offense, the Packers could win 12, 13, 14 games, it's going to be an easy sell for voters to to pick Aaron Rodgers to win the MVP again because we've really been sitting back here, Brady, and kind of like waiting for Aaron Rodgers to do what he's done the last two weeks. Well, I think we, we look at Rodgers and we put him to like his own standard, right? Yeah. So. Um, last year he was what, 25 and one? Is that what his touchdown interception ratio was? Or 25 and two, whatever it was? Um, and people were like, gosh, Rogers had a down here. We're like, yeah, he was playing on like a fractured, you know, shin or something like that. Like he's playing banged up the entire year. Um, and so that, that's unfortunately the life of being Aaron Rodgers. You're so damn talented that everyone holds you to a standard that is seemingly almost impossible to obtain. But, um, he's in a new offense. I think you're starting to see some of those kinks work their way out. And that's why it should be exciting to see what it's going to be like once they do get Devontae Adams back because he's, he's been out when they've, he's arguably had a couple of his best performances. Um, uh, but you know, you made a great point earlier, Ryan, about Lamar Jackson. Like he's one exciting and fun to watch. I think the problem for me moving forward is I just, I wonder if he's going to miss a game or two, if he's going to get injured as physical of a runner as he is when he gets, gets outside the pocket. And I know he's bigger. But when you look at some of the other guys who used to run a lot, especially early on, like Russell Wilson, he would protect himself, though. You know, he wasn't taking guys on and giving them shoulders as he went downfield. And I don't care how big and strong you are. Ask Michael Vick. You know, he's a guy who built up a lot of speed and momentum. But when you get outside the pocket and you start running downfield, eventually one of those safeties is going to find you and he's going to cold clock you. So I worry about him with his ability to maintain his health and for that reason to keep him kind of in the mix of everything. Um, outside of that, 
I think the Garoppolo one will is really interesting because if they are like a 14 and two team, which their back half of their schedule gets much more difficult moving forward with the exception yeah, yeah. of the Arizona in the next three weeks, they play them twice. Um, so they should win those. It'll be interesting to see like what they're, what they're at. If they can get to like, that like 13 and three record, I think it gets a lot more difficult at that point. And then once Jimmy Garoppolo has to look, they've run the football more than anyone else. Once he has to win them the game, once they have to throw the football up 40, 50 times in a game, how does he perform? How do the stats end up being impacted by that? So it'll be interesting to watch the rest of the way. Yeah. And remember too, like a few years ago when Matt, uh, or no, excuse me. Um, it was when, uh, I guess the Tom Brady win it that year. I'm trying to think exactly what happened. I think Tom Brady won it because what year are we talking about? Um, it was, it was, when hey, uh, while you think about that, I'm gonna ask Ryan a question. Ryan, if you had hair like Brinson, would you gel and slick it back like he's doing lately? Have you noticed him doing that on these podcasts? Well, here's here's the thing. Right when we started this podcast, uh, Brady, I asked him, I said, "Did you take a shower?" Because I saw him 35 minutes ago and he had normal dry hair. So he wants well, to look. What like do you mean you guys saw each other 35 minutes ago? Like like on, on camera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you guys were like you hanging out or is, something. Brady, th- this is what this is. This is talented Mr. Ripley. He's trying to make his hair look like your hair, and he's going to hit you head with an oar and knock you out. So be careful if you ever get in the boat on him. Boat with him. I just love how his hair, with his beard and his hair, like, I'm wondering if he has to shave, like, his forehead. You have so much hair, Brent, so it's a good thing. But if you have to, like, shave other areas of your face, other people don't have to, because you've got such thick and full hair. Like, you don't shave your cheeks? You don't shave your cheeks? I don't really – I can't grow hair. Like, the, the whole no-shave November, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'll play along and it'll look like Orlando Bloom and Pirates of the Caribbean. It'll look awful. <laughs> what, is, what is this movie reference hour? Talented Mr. Ripley, Pirates of the Caribbean? What's happening here? I'm just telling you. I've tried before. I, I, I don't even know if I have the photo. When I was in Kansas City in 2012, Jim Zorn, Matt Castle, Ricky Stanzi, and I all grew out, like, facial hair to, to like, you know, Stanzi's a mustaches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stanzi's great. Castles was pretty strong too. He, he looked like he could be like a truck driver, uh, with, with his mustache. And then Zorn's was actually pretty legit too. Mine was absolutely pathetic. Like I almost thought about just, just for the photo to look better, like stenciling in more hair. Cause I just can't grow any facial hair. Uh, Brady, I, you Google, uh, Brady Quinn beard. There's a picture of, uh, Sam Bradford that comes up with a beard. So that's as close as you've gotten, I guess. Pretty Who's much. Be careful Googling Brady Quinn beard. Um, yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, we're, we're gonna take a quick break and we come back. We Brinson will, uh, sucks. <laughs> Brinson sucks. <laughs> I got that tattooed on my face. Uh, we will, um, we'll look at the race for Chase. Chase Young. Could he win the Heisman? And we will also look at Ryan's mock draft and we will make Brady answer questions about bars in Notre Dame. Coming up next. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back. Remember, you can watch this on YouTube, youtube.com slash CBS Sports if you want to catch more of the Pick 6 podcast. Uh, I'm very excited that throughout this season on the Brady Quinn Football Show featuring Ryan Wilson with Will Brinson, um, that we're going to do some draft coverage. I hope people like it um, because – 
it's a, a, it's a good way. I get a head start on my, on like, instead of trying to learn about, you know, like, I, I watch a ton of college football and I know a lot of college football get players. Get to the point, Brinson. You're bloviating right now. I'm excited that I get to die, to talk with two great college football minds, Brady Quinn and Ryan Wilson, about, uh, some stud college football players. So I have a question for you, Brady. Um, Chase Young, by the way, 10 to 1 to be the first overall pick. Interesting. I would, um, I would bet on that right now because if the Bengals are the worst team in football and they like Ryan Finley, maybe they'll draft Chase Young first overall. Look, it probably won't happen. I get it. Joe Burrow, uh, this is, um, being offshore, but, uh, Tua, Tua is minus 150. Burrow plus 250. Justin Herbert plus six to one from eight to one. And then Chase Young, Jerry, uh, 10 to one and Jerry Judy 30 to one. A, Brady, is there a chance that Chase Young is the first overall pick? And B, is there a chance he wins the Heisman? Well, let's first talk to Ryan, okay, because this is his mock draft. And I want Ryan to be able to put it up because I'll just answer this by saying. Oh, you actually have Chase Young. Chase Young is the top overall prospect. He's, he's clean as it gets. He's a great kid. He's ridiculous against, the, you know, in his pass rush. He's also good against the run. There's the efforts there, all that stuff. He is, a, a, you know, as far as any team that's looking to try to pick a guy and not miss, it would be Chase Young. Unfortunately, you've got a lot of quarterbacks who I think are going to be taken somewhere in the top two, three picks. So for that reason, there's a chance that the Bengals could take him, but they trade out of the pick with somebody who's willing to trade up to get a Tua Tonga-Vailoa or a Joe Burrow out of LSU uh, or Justin Herbert or Jacob Eason, although I don't think Eason will be taken that high. But one of those three names I mentioned, I think you've got some very opinions on some of those guys. So for that reason, I think it's unlikely he'll go number one overall. But to Ryan Wilson's mock draft and his credit, he's definitely the number one overall prospect, and it's worth talking about and discussing. Yeah, I'll say this. Last week, uh, the Bengals also had the first overall pick because they're somehow the worst team in football, and I had them taking Joe Burrow, and we talked about that. So I wanted to mix it up a little bit based on what Chase Young's done this season, based on what he did against Wisconsin last week. He absolutely went off. It w- and you sort of hit on it, Brinson. What if they like Ryan Finley and, and they want to move on from uh, move on with him? That's fine. They also have Andy Dalton under contract for another year if they want to unbench him. But I feel like, you know, we talked about with the Bosa's, you can't go wrong if you take him first overall. And then you look at the rest of this draft. For the first time, I think in uh, this weekly mock draft I've been doing since early September, I have the Dolphins taking Joe Burrow instead of Tua. Tua's out with the ankle injury, uh, the surgery, uh, had surgery on the, the other ankle, different from last year. And Joe Burrow continues to play at an extremely high level. He had his worst game of the season in quotes against Auburn and he still played Unbelievably well. He had one mistake was the interception. He threw it down to the two yard line. Uh, there are worse interceptions you can make. He seems to make all the right decisions with the ball. He's not afraid to throw it underneath and he is also sneakily athletic. Uh, something changed here in the top 10. I had CD Lamb going ahead of Jerry Judy, which I haven't done before. I absolutely love CD Lamb. He looks, you look at him, he looks skinny. He might be one of the strongest wide receivers pound for pound in terms of, uh, yak monster guy. He catches the ball and he's breaking tackles left to right. And, um, Brady, what do you think about Tua slipping to seven? And would you, as John Elway, who loves quarterbacks, would you think about taking him there, even though you took Drew Locke last year? We've let, yet to see Drew Locke play. Yeah. I mean, it will depend on how the rest of the season goes. I mean, you know, Brandon Allen's starting this week, but they'll eventually transition to Drew Locke once he's ready. Um, I mean, Brett Rippin's there too. Maybe he gets some burn time, but you got to see what you have in Drew Locke. I don't know. I mean, a year into it, it's, it's kind of, it's quick to all of a sudden give up on Drew Locke. Uh, however, if you feel like, He's going to be the guy, and he falls to you, and maybe too tough to pass up on. There's a lot of things in question, though. Is John Elway even making that decision? Is Vic Fangio even there? I mean, you don't know how the rest of the season is going to play out. So it's too hard right now for me to be able to answer that question. Uh, I think the better question is, is, is at least in my mock draft, how I look at these two, and I think you're on agreement with me. I, I'd have Burroughs the number one guy right now. I think you look at what he's doing in LSU, uh, running an NFL-style system. I think you could see a little bit of that with Tua, but the injury concerns are real. I mean, he's already had this procedure done on the other leg. Now he's getting it for the second year in a row on his opposite leg. So is he going to be injury-prone? Does he know how to get down and protect himself? Those are all kind of questions I have moving forward. I think I just want to go back to one thing about Chase Young. It's interesting because if you think about the Bengals, and it, let's say they like Ryan Finley, but or maybe they're even on the fence about it and they have a chance to take one of the top quarterbacks. I mean, what would do more for that organization? An Ohio State player who potentially could be a finalist for the Heisman, who you know is going to come in right away and help you defensively. And, and when you think about what Nick Bosa's done this year in San Francisco, maybe that's it's a copycat league. Maybe it's a route that they would entertain going, potentially with the number one overall pick, 
much like the Cleveland Browns did with, with a guy like Miles Garrett, and who's we've just talked about as being up for Defensive Player of the Year, along with another name we considered, Nick Bosa. So maybe that would make a, a lot of sense for the Bengals, just because where they're at, and I think when you look at some of the other pieces they have up front, uh, maybe he would fit in with that defense, and, and they need just as much help there as I think they do at the quarterback spot. Like you could take Brian Finn, or you could take another quarterback. The problem is that offensive line's bad, and unless they get more help there. Uh, in free agency and potentially in other rounds, I'm not sure it's going to make a difference who your quarterback is. Mm. I like Chase Young. I would take Chase Young. That's what I'm saying. I'm worried these quarterbacks. Quarterbacks scare me a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Um, let's get to uh, some questions, some five-star questions. Okay. First up, from Rutz, 1977. Love the show is on Apple podcast. If you want to leave a podcast question and get it answered by anybody, do so. We will do it. We will answer it. Love the show. First thing I reach for every morning. Interesting. I go for water and then maybe, you know. Yeah. Usually because you're hung over from the night before. So that makes sense. <laughs> water phone. Then I'm like, Hey, what's up family? Um, what is Brady's favorite moment at Notre Dame? Oh, this isn't going to be great though. Cause this is what, what people want to hear, but. Um, for me, I will never forget the first time walking down the tunnel before Washington State top 25 team, uh, my freshman year. I remember looking through just the per- perspective or vantage point of my helmet and seeing the crowd and running out with the team and just that moment, what it was like. I'd been there before as a recruit at some games, but it's just different when you're in the uniform and, and, and you're, you know, they're kind of taking it all in uh, and all the hype and excitement around the team that year. And obviously the chance that you got to play. And I got to play in that game. So uh, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget, um, you know, going in and taking my first snap at the end of that game. We ended up driving down to score a touchdown, to tie it up, send it in overtime. So, um, you know, that memory, that first time out the tunnel, uh, just it's something that you never forget. Like the goosebumps, still, I still get goosebumps today thinking about it. So that was definitely one of the, the coolest things that I, you know, and and ever you know and after you do it more and more, you get a little more used to it, a little more numb to it. But there's something about going down that famous tunnel, you know, hitting the play like a champion today sign, and then walking out and kind of seeing the crowd and seeing the student section and everything else. Um, I I was gonna ask if it if it ever like not that I would think it would ever get old or anything like that, but I mean, I would I've been to one game in Notre Dame and it does feel different. I don't like to give you know Notre Dame your, your credit, you know, for for being above everybody else in college football the way that you guys think you are, but it does feel different. I'll give you that. If you feel like you're in a time warp, you're serving like piping hot styrofoam cups of coffee and like you feel like you're huddled up and watching 1930 something and all of a sudden, uh, but not Josh Jacobs, uh, who's the guy who played for the Eagles last year or the, uh, Josh Adams? Rudy? Yeah, Josh Adams storms through and, and somebody gets a pick six and you're watching Quentin Nelson teabag your defenders. You're like, let's go home. This sucks. Hey, can I ask Brady a Notre Dame question? Sure. Can. Sure. So Brady, you're from Ohio, obviously. Uh, the recruiting process, I don't know your backstory. So were you considering any other places? Were you considering going outside, uh, you know, the 400 mile area from your hometown? What were your, uh, what'd you go through in, in the recruiting process and how'd you end up in Notre Dame? No, actually, uh, my final through Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame. Um, and Ooh. you know, I'd taken visits out, out as far as Colorado. Um, I had family out there and that's where my dad's from, but, I realized quickly, like I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna have the opportunity to have my parents watch my games. Um, and so, you know, Notre Dame being in driving distance, and you know, given the fact that they're on national television uh, every week, that was huge for me. And it was it was big for my family uh, to be able to come and watch me and be able to follow and all that. So uh, that that definitely played a big consideration in all of it. I mean, uh, Stanford was looking at me and all that, and I, I think I just came to the realization that I, I wanted my family to be able to enjoy into the process too. And be able to come support me and be a part of those games. And, you know, financially, it would have been tough for them to be able to have to fly out, you know, eight games or, you know, however many games a season to come watch me at, at some place that was farther than that. Mm. Yes, yeah, like it. Uh, here's the other five star question we have on Apple Podcast from Gooners55. Great podcast. Brinson is funny and keeps a great mix of solid NFL content and non football related tangents. That's it. That's the question. That's, that's seldom that uh, someone ever says that, by the way, Will. I know. I love reading these. You uh, do. You, you, you specifically found this one. You're like, oh, we got to read uh, this. That's it. No, no. He goes on and goes, wish he'd had bourbon takes to his beer rants. Um, wow. I, I can do, I can do that very quickly. I would say that Eagle Ray. No, 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 no. Just wait till we're off. Then you can do that solo. 
Okay, move on. <laughs> um, I'm also a domer. So question for Brady Quinn. What was the best bar at Notre Dame and why was it CJ's? Oh, he's answering the question for me. And yes, yeah, it was CJ's. And the reason why is because it was the football bar. All right. And so when you weren't of age to drink, you may or may not have found your way in through an open back door and sneak in, if you will. Uh, even though I'm pretty sure everyone realized that that door was open for the football players. So, um, CJ's was awesome. And I think the best part about it was like most bars that are the best, it was like a dive bar. And I swear to you, it's about as big as this podcast room that I'm in. The width of the bar couldn't have been wider than maybe 12 feet across. And wow. it was long. So it was probably 12 feet by maybe four, 50 feet. And so it was a very small bar. Um, and which made everyone kind of had to huddle together and it was always close and, you know, everyone was just having a good time, having fun. And the best part was at a certain point in the night, um, they had this little stool. It was almost like a little mini stage, but one of the owners would get up and he'd play on his guitar and he'd play music there live and everyone would sing along and join in on it. So, um, there was nothing better than CJ's. It wasn't a fancy club. It wasn't a fancy bar with all these TVs and all that stuff. You were there to have fun. You were there to drink. You were there to kind of enjoy a good time. And actually, they had great wings and great burgers too. So uh, that that was that was the best part. That was the bar we always went to. Unfortunately, though, I think a building fell on it and uh, no longer there anymore. They try to recreate it, but it's just not the same. It's got a little bit more a different spot, a little more uh, commercialized spot now. My uh, my favorite bar in college, Crowley's, was uh, has also since closed. Very disappointing. I would go there now. A little, a little piece of you dies with it, right? Like there's a lot of uh, memories there. A big piece. A big piece. Uh, yeah. Um, well, the good okay. thing is though, you, you still drink on the regs, so it's almost like college for you. Yeah, you haven't you haven't been to a bar in years. Uh, good for you. Um, I've been to a bar with you. What are you talking about? Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, the anyway, let's. Yeah, deny, deny, deny. It's the way to go. Anyway, let's get out of here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, and uh, check us out on the Facebook group. Talk to you guys next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.